Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, welcome to part five of a series that we've entitled Just Like Jesus. Do we have anybody in the house that wants to be just like Jesus? Can I see your hand? I, man, that is the goal of our lives. You know, the theme scripture that we have been using is Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And it says this, for whom he did foreknow. Who is he? It's God. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You know, that word there, conformed, means molded. God wants us to be moldable people. Molded what? Into the image, into the likeness of his son, that he might be the first among many brethren. And in this series, we've been talking about how God not only wants to save us so we can go to heaven, but while we are on the earth, that we are being molded into the likeness of Jesus, that we're not just saved to go to heaven, but we act saved while we're on the earth so we can bring some people to heaven with us. And so this morning, I want to talk about loving like Jesus, loving like Jesus. Could you imagine just for a moment in a perfect world, can we just imagine together a world where people would love like Jesus. Could you imagine what the world would be like? And if we sit here and we can imagine that and we go, oh, Pastor Phil, no, that's just not possible. I believe it's got to start with somebody. How about that be us? How about that be you? But you know, I, I really believe we don't understand what love really is. I think we misunderstand it because I honestly think we overuse the word love. Like, I love pepperoni pizza. I love my dog. He's so cute. I love my dog. Then we turn to our spouse and go, honey, I love you too. Pizza, dog, wife, love them all. Hmm. That's pretty interesting, right? And so I love the Chargers. I love Jesus. So my love for the Chargers is the same love that I have for Jesus. Huh. That's, that's how we overuse the word love. We talk about God, but then he's on a level with football. He's on a level with our pet. He's on a level with something. And can I just encourage us today? He's not on any of those levels. He is above all. And so the love I have for him must supersede everything else in our lives. But here's what happens. I think we often link love to the warm fuzzies that we get. Like this today. Today's one of those days that, you know, you just kind of sit on the couch. You spark up your, your fireplace. You have the Christmas tree on. And here come the warm fuzzies. It, that's love. Or I think we link love to anything in our lives that makes us go, aww. Oh, look at that dog. He's so hairy. Look at that little puppy. Aww. That's love. But see, what happens is we can take our definition of love and apply that to God. Or we can look at love and say, well, it didn't give me warm fuzzies. It didn't make me go, aww. So maybe it's not 
love. And so what we do is we impose our definition of love on God. And yet God's love is unconditional. Even when you don't feel the warm fuzzies, even when you don't feel the, oh, God still loves you. And here's the reality today. Even if you don't feel loved, you're loved. Because of God's love, it's unconditional, it's sacrificial. And here's my favorite part of God's love, God's love, it never fails. God's love never fails. But I think if we're going to love like Jesus, we need to understand that there's a process that God has set up when it comes to love. Let's look at this process. It's kind of four steps. Here's the first one. The first one in the process of God's love is God's love for you. This is how it all started. First John chapter four, verse 10. If you have your Bibles, let's turn over. We're going to be in first John chapter four today. The first step is God's love for you. First John chapter four, verse 10 says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Anybody grateful for God's love? God's love. And this is now, now listen. Herein is love, not that you loved God, but that God loved you first, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So I just want us to understand, love did not start when you saw that sweetheart in high school. Love did not start when you bought your puppy. Love started with God and he first loved you. He first loved you. He first loved you. And so this, this whole thing of love, the fact is God loves us unconditionally. Now, I'm sure we can all testify of times and seasons in our own lives where we thought that we would receive and even deserve to receive love and we just didn't get love the way we thought that we should be loved. All of us have had times and seasons in our lives where, man, we just didn't get the love that we thought we should have. And you know what can happen in our lives? Those moments can become defining. Those moments can also become containing in our lives. But see, here's the key. If I'm gonna love like Jesus, it starts with being loved by Jesus. Let me say that again. If I'm gonna love like him, then the first step is I need to be loved by him. To love like Jesus starts with me being loved by Jesus unconditionally and holy. You know what's amazing? Is so many Christians still struggle with this God's love, that God loves them unconditionally. You know, so many people I talk with, man, they're still struggling, even after being in church after, and, and, and what happens is I think they, they believe this little lie. And here's the lie that we can believe. Well, if I don't love myself, how can God love me? Can I just tell you that whether you love yourself or not, God still loves you because he is love. But here's what happens. Many times our love is based on whether or not someone saw value in us. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was uh, a family member, somebody who we would say was real influential in our lives. And you know what? They didn't love us. They didn't see value. So you know what? We don't love ourselves. 
I think sometimes we don't love ourselves just because we're looking at the circumstances that we've gone through. But see, if you always are looking at people who didn't value you, you're always looking at circumstances and not looking at the sacrificial uh, sacrifice of God sending his son on the cross to die for you, you're always going to be jaded in your perception of love. But you need to remember, number one, who does it start with? It starts with God. God loved you first. Then here's number two. Then we receive God's love. We receive God's love. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says, but God demonstrates his love towards us, his own love, that while we were yet in sin, Christ died for us. There's a song that Hillsong sings on one of their new albums. It's called, uh, What a Wonderful Name It Is. And one of the lines says this, my sin was great, but God's love was greater. My sin was great, but you know what? God's love was greater. Can I tell you a truth this morning? You can never outrun God's love and you can never outsin God's grace. I thought I'd get a better reaction this morning, but you know what? That's all right. I know the turkey has set in. You can never outrun God's love and you can never outsin God's grace. So we need to know something that God loves us, but listen, listen, God loves sinners. He loves sinners. People get this confused all the time. God hates sinners. No, God loves sinners. He hates the sin. He loves people, but he doesn't always like what we do. Come on, somebody. I love my son, and that will never change, but I, always, I don't always like what he does, but it's my love for him. And I think sometimes we lump those things together, and I'm here to tell you that when God's love is flowing through you, you as a Christian will love sinners too. See, I know Christians that don't like, and they're like, I don't want to hang out with sinners. Well, can I tell you, the very love of God loves sinners, and that means he loved you because you and I were a sinner. Only three people said amen. The other ones are lying this morning and sinning in church. I said, God loves sinners, so he loved you. Amen. And you know what that translates? The Bible says that translates into action, that God demonstrated, listen to this, God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet in sin, Christ died for you. So even before I had the opportunity to sin, because I am alive today, Jesus already died for my sin. Why? Because he loved you. Because he loved me. So the first step is God's love for you. The second one is you receive that love. Some people struggle. Holy receiving God's unconditional love. Well, Pastor Phil, you don't know what I did. No, I don't. But I know what Jesus did on the cross. And what he did on the cross is greater than what you did. Stop thinking about what you did is greater than what he did. Because when you think that what you did is greater than what he did, we got problems. But what he did is greater than what we did. What the first Adam did is not greater than what the second Adam did. The second Adam, Jesus, is greater than what Adam did. It's good. But people struggle with that. 
You don't know what I didn't know. The Holy Spirit does. But this doesn't say, it doesn't start calling out sins. It just says, while you were yet in sin, God had already got it covered and he died. It was a love that's demonstrated. So it starts first with God and then we receive it. Here's the third step in this process of love. Listen, God loves me. I receive his love. And here's the third step. Then now I begin to have love for God. I begin to love him back. I begin to look at him. I begin to love him. John 14, verse 15 says this. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's powerful. Because his love does something in us that his commandments don't become this, I got to, I got. It becomes, I want to keep your commandments. I've never had a day where I go home and go, man, I got to be faithful to my wife. You know what? There's a want in me that loves her so much that I don't even think about being unfaithful. That's what happens. This love turns your have to into a want to. You want to worship him. You start becoming generous. Why? Because you love him. It's a thanksgiving. It's not a thanks paying. It's a thanksgiving. Why? Because we love him. Now, here's the fourth step in this process of love. God's love, listen, starts to flow through you to other people. You start to love others. You start to love just like Jesus. First John chapter four, look at verse 11. It says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, if, if we're honest today, all of us in, in our life, we've had these times where we've been treated less than we think we should, you know, and what happens in those times, if we're not careful, we automatically want to hold back our love. We want to hold back. We want to give nothing back. Why? Because we've been mistreated. But let me just tell you a great truth this morning, my church family. There our greatest fulfillment is found in the love of God. Your greatest fulfillment is found in the love of God. Yet the love of God is not just to receive, it is also to give to others. It's also to give to others. Number one, God loves me. Number two, I receive that love. Number three, I love him back. And then number four, my love translates in to loving other people. Can I just give you a real quick commercial? We look at people in the world and we go, they don't love God. They don't. And we can't expect them to love God until they know how much God loves them. See, we got to tell people that God loves them. They're never going to love God until they understand. Because why? It starts with God. But here's what happens. See, sometimes we don't love because other people have been stingy with their love. So we say, you know what? They've been stingy with their love, so I'm going to be stingy with my love. So can I ask you a question? What does that prove? Because now you have been the recipient of somebody who's been stingy with their love. You didn't like it, so now you're going to do the same to somebody else. And guess what happens? The cycle continues, and the generations continue. 
But I, I believe that God wants us to break that cycle. And just because somebody has been stingy with their love, you know what? I'm supposed to be so loved by God that stinginess is not an option in my life, that I am supposed to love other people. And But what happens is we allow all of this disappointment, this hurt to contain our expectation of what the future could have for us because we've been disappointed. And so you know what? That affects our ability to love other people. But listen, my church family, this is my prayer. This is my heart. This is my prayer that wherever you have been let down by someone not loving you, that today, because of God's word, you would choose to step up and in the areas that you haven't been loved, allow God's love to penetrate you so that you would love other people despite not being loved by people. That's what God will do. God, and when you start to love like Jesus, this is the kind of change. Listen, because I've seen it happen in my own life and I've seen it happen in other people's lives. This is the kind of change that Jesus brings. Jesus will make you be the love to other people that you yourself never received from people. Did you follow that? Was that too deep? I'm loving people like I have never been loved when I was that age because that's the change that Jesus brings in our life. I want to, listen to this, I want to love so much that people never would know that I was lacking love when I was growing up. That's the kind of change that he brings. You know, I love the storytellers that we've been doing for Life Group where just different couples have been telling their story of, of God's love. And, you know, one of the biggest reactions that people have said is, I didn't know you went through that. Gosh, I didn't know. And in some of those stories, man, people are crying. They're telling their stories. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, we never would have thought that you went through that. It doesn't show. When you walk around, you don't have a chip on your shoulder. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the power of God. And that's why I love sharing my story because when people start to talk to me about certain things and they're like, man, it just seems like you got it all together. The only reason why it seems like I got it all together is because of the work that Jesus has done in my life. But you would never know that I was adopted. You would never know that I never knew my father. Why? Because God has so loved me that now I can love other people even though I wasn't loved like that during my childhood. That's, that's, that's the, the change that he'll bring in your life. And so look at verse 12 in 1 John 4, 12. It says, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I've read this scripture so many times. And this week, this was my challenge. What does that mean? How is God's love perfected in me? Because here's my first thought. God's love is perfect. How many of you would say God's love is perfect? We agree today. If you're not raising your hand, you should. Come on, just let other people think you're smart for a minute. How many of you think God's love is perfect? Raise your hand. Because God's love is perfect. So what is he talking about here? How is a perfect love perfected in us. Listen, I did some study while you were eating your turkey. I was doing some study in the word of God and I found out something that this is not a question about whether God's love is perfect or not. Listen, the question is, is God's love perfected in you? 
One translation says God's love is completed in us. Well, is God's love complete? Is God's love lacking? No. His love is complete. And let me say it again so people don't walk out here and go, yeah, the pastor said God's love isn't perfect. I'm not going back to that church. The pastor said no such thing. The pastor said that God's love is perfect. The pastor said that God's love is complete. But the question is, is his love complete in you? And I thought to myself, because this is my thinking, if the word of God says that I can have something, if the word of God says that I can do something, well, I want to do what the word of God says that I can do. And if the Bible says that his love can be completed in me, I want his love completed in me. Anybody agree with that? So I looked up the word perfected. In the Greek, the New Testament was written in the Greek, and I think you're going to find this fascinating. You know what the word perfected means? Listen to this. The word perfected in the Greek means this, to make perfect, complete, and I thought this one was funny. Listen, accomplished, and then this one, goal. Kind of like when you're watching soccer, you ever hear the announcers, goal, and they say, hold that goal. Like if you didn't know it was a goal, it's a goal because they keep that. You know. And I thought, okay, so it means to be complete, accomplished, goal. So here's what God is telling us. So God loves us, yet the scripture is saying, when I love other people, listen to this, when I love others, the love has accomplished its goal in me. So let me say it this way. When I love you, love has reached its purpose. See, we think that God's love is just about us sometimes. And you know what? Let me just tell you, soak in his love. Take it in. Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. But let me say this. There's still another part. And that other part, the goal, is when you love others. See, it's completed and love reach its purpose when I love you. So God sends out his love to love you, but here's the end goal that you love somebody else. Or let me say it this way. Love has reached its maturity in me when I love somebody else. When I love somebody else, love is reaching its goal. That's the love. So in some point in our lives, listen, perfected also means this, to add what is yet wanting in order to render full. So at some point in my life as a Christian, I have to be the love to others that I want to see in my life. I want to be that. And so with God's help, I'm going to be that love to other people, even though I didn't get that love growing up. And so even in the areas where I don't see love or don't expect love, here's what I can do is I can love other people. And my church family, where there's been judgment that has been passed, why don't we overshadow that with God's grace? Don't let your seeds of love become contaminated by others' stinginess. There comes a point in our lives that we're either going to love like Jesus or we're just going to love how we've been loved. And when we just love how we've been loved by other people, love is not completed in us. 
Love is not perfected in us. Listen, can I just tell you, don't allow your disappointment to contain your future and restrict your expectation for the future and your ability to encourage other people. See, I want to love like Jesus, even if somebody doesn't deserve it. Listen, I want to love like Jesus, even if I think that person doesn't need it or doesn't deserve it. And when I love others, love is reaching its fulfillment in me. And Jesus said, people know you're my disciples when you love other people. When you love other people. In my church family, God is counting on us. We, when we love other people, listen to this, when we love the world, we're showing the world what God is like. You mean, Pastor Phil, I don't have to memorize a chapter in the Bible? Memorizing a chapter is good. But if you memorize a chapter in the Bible and you don't love, you've missed the point. Because the point is that we love. See, I could say it this way. Love is the motivation for everything. Love is that motivation. And God is counting on us. And you know, we've been saying in this series that there was somebody in your life that showed you Jesus. There was somebody in your life that was just like Jesus. It could have been a Sunday school teacher. It could have been a coach on the football field. But they inspired your life. And ladies and gentlemen, in this series, we've been saying now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to start loving people. So here's my question. How do I know if love has been perfected in me. Let me give you three things. Love is being perfected in me, number one, when I'm loving others. First John 4, 12, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Then John 13, 34, a new commandment, Jesus said, I give you, listen to this, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this, by what? Loving other people. All will know you are my disciples. And if you love, if you love one another. I think this is so powerful because here's what happens. Everyone who loves is giving evidence that they've been born of God. He says, when I love you, it's evidence that God lives in me. Oh my goodness. So the love is being perfected. It's working in us that when I'm loving you, it's awesome. It's evidence. It's fruitful that God is abiding in us. Listen, that when I love you, it's also a manifestation of the presence of God. I always tell people if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a greeter. I love greeting people. To me, I, I, I know people don't think it's a big deal, but you know what? This scripture really means a lot to me that if I love people as they come into church and greeting church, I am actually seeing the manifest presence of God in my life by loving you when you come to church. I know that we don't talk about it that much and it's overlooked, we're just saying hi, but you know what? If we will allow this scripture in our lives, not only at church, but at work, if you would love people, listen, it's a manifestation of the presence of God. And this is what I like, because John says this, nobody has seen God at any time. So when I love you, the unseen God becomes seen. Because God is love. An unseen God can become visible to a person who can't see him. Why? By simply loving you. So when I love you, the unseen God become seen. 
you know what? We can all love others. We can do it. And when we love, God's love can reach God's goal in our lives. Now, this is what we all want. Let's just be honest. We all want perfect love. That's, that's what we want. We, 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 we may not admit it, but we all want perfect love. Everybody is longing for that perfect love. And you know what? We'll never find that outside of our relationship with God. But here's where I think people get stuck. I think people, even Christians, get stuck in this. They know in their head that God loves them. They know that God loves them. But you know what? They don't love others. They don't love others. And honestly, we all know people in our lives that they're constant takers, constant takers. I love being a pastor. I love watching people's lives. I think that's why God has you planted. He says, be planted in the house of God so you'll grow. A lot of people uproot themselves. They go to this church. They go to that church. They, uh, they never grow. But you know, one of the things as a pastor, when people plant themselves in the house of God, it's awesome to be able to watch people grow. But you know what? You also see some people that don't grow. And you know, it's sad because they know that God loves them. But listen, but it's constantly about nobody loves me. Nobody included me. Nobody talked to me. I don't understand. I just wish people would care a little more. Hey, hey. Mr. or Mrs. Complainer. Can I ask you a question? Just one. How many people have you loved? Uh, I don't have any friends. How many people have you made an effort to befriend? Zero. Love is not being made complete in you and you're stuck. And for the last two years, you've been, nobody talks to me. Nobody wants to talk to you. You know why? Because you complain and you whine. But you know what? If you decide to be the friend that you want to see in someone else, if you decide to be the love that you would like to have in someone else, love will be perfected in your life. And you will see growth and you will see the manifestation of the presence of God in your life. And some people are just duck because they don't want to love others because life has become all about them. Well, nobody loved me. You know, when I was two and when I was three, I get it. You're 45 now. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature and it's time to start loving other people because in loving other people, you will see God do miracles for you. Can I just tell you most of the friends that I have, I made an effort to be their friend. Like, how long are you going to be a mean Christian? Like, how long? Seriously. Like, I want to know. Like, 2017's coming, and you're still mean. Call Dr. Phil. Do something. But you're still mean. And you know what it means, my church family? Here's what it means. I didn't just read through that process of love just to read through it. But I want to say this. 
If you're having a problem loving other people, the reason why you're stuck is because you do not believe that you are fully loved by God. Because until you understand that God loves you first, and he, in order to love like Jesus, I have to be loved by Jesus, I can't reach out to other people. So that means somewhere in our lives, we're hiding stuff. We're saying, God, you can't love me because of this, this, and that. And can I just tell you my prayer today is that you would be holy and unconditionally loved by God so you can be free to be the person God wants you to be and love other people. By this, people will know I'm his disciple. Not by how much scripture not by how judgmental. I just don't, I don't understand it. Why we feel like as Christians, it's our job to point out people's sins. That's not what the Bible says. You know what my Bible tells me? I am supposed to get the log out of my own eye first before I even deal with you. And some of us, it's not a log, it's a pole. I'm working on my own log. Then we'll, but why is that? The Bible says they're going to know us by our love. So how do we know God in his love is being perfected in us? Number one, we're loving other people. Let me ask you a question. Who this week, who last week have you loved on? Not somebody that texted you, but you texted them. Somebody that you called. They didn't call you first. That's what I'm talking about. That you begin to start to love other people with the love that God gave. Is this, is this good this morning? How do I know I'm being loved or being perfected in love or love is being perfected in me? Here's number two. You no longer are controlled by fear. You know, 1 John 4, 18 says there's no fear in love. So how much fear is in love? There's no fear in love. Well, Pastor Phil, I think there's a little fear. No, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And he that feareth, listen to this, here's that word again, is not made perfect in love. And this is powerful. So watch this. I love to break things down. So if fear is leading me, I am not being led by love. When love is leading me, I am being led by God. See, sometimes I think in our day-to-day, we're waiting for this big voice to say, Go say hi to that person, thus saith the Lord, on high. Okay, Jesus. Hi. And you know what? The Bible says this. The Bible says that when I'm led by love, God is love. I'm being led by God. And here's what has helped me follow God so much is being led by love. That sometimes you start to see something and it just moves you. Actually, that's what the Bible calls, it calls compassion. You see something and there's some things, ladies and gentlemen, we don't need to pray about. We just need to do because it's love leading us. But if you're being led by fear, you're not being led by God because guess what? Perfect love casts out fear. 
Well, Pastor Phil, I don't know if God will supply my needs. Guess what? God's love will help you put your fear to rest. God will supply your needs because he loves you. Can I hear a good amen? You know, what's interesting is that John was writing this. If you know anything about John, John was the disciple of Jesus. And John wrote about himself, the disciple that Jesus loved. But in actuality, John was the disciple that loved Jesus the most. You know why? He was always putting his head on Jesus. He was always just around Jesus, receiving Jesus's love. Guess what? Out of all 12 disciples, guess who was the only one at the cross? John. And John said, as the other disciples are feeling like they're getting persecuted, John said, I don't care. I'm going to stand at this cross, persecute me, do whatever you may, because I know that he loves me. And perfect love casts out all fear. Can I just say it this way? Perfect love will give you confidence to do things that you've never done because you're leading and being led by love. Today, you know what got me up here? Not thinking about, oh my gosh, is my sweater feel too tight? Is this, this, that? Mm, ah, ah. Today I got up here going, you know what? I love these people. Let that love ooze out. Who cares what's going on with me? This is about ministering to other people. And you know what? People will experience God. How do we know his love is being perfected in us? Number one, we love others. Number two, you're not being controlled by fear. At some point, you're going to have to get over what other people think about you. Can I just tell you, other people are not thinking about you. Other people are thinking about themselves. And you know what we need? We need a love revolution for people to put their self aside and say, you know what? I'm going to love you. Here's the third thing today. How do I know that love is being perfected in me? You're keeping God's word. You're keeping God's word. First John chapter two, verse five. But whosoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Accomplishing what it's supposed to accomplish. Go! By this, we know that we are in him. So here's the million dollar question. What does love mean? What does it mean? When we look at this 1 John chapter 4, what does this love mean? Well, I looked it up in, in the Greek, and it says this. It's the word agape. Would you say that with me? Agape love. It's the God kind of love. Here's what it means. To esteem. You know what to esteem? When I'm going to esteem you, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to see you as valuable. I'm going to see you as important. Because I love you. But guess what, my church family? You purpose to do that. See, when I wake up in the morning, I have to purpose to see people as valuable, as see them as God sees them. But listen, I can't esteem people if I'm putting them down. And sometimes we put people down just to make ourselves feel better. That's not esteeming people. And we need to esteem people. But look, the second definition of love, and I think this may help us a lot, it actually means to direct your will to direct your will. But Pastor Phil, it's not about the warm fuzzies. To direct your will. I love feeling love. I love the joy of it. But you ask any mom in here today that gave birth to a child, ask them if they were feeling the love. No, they were, ah! There ain't no warm fuzzies in that. But there was a lot of love there. Sacrificial love. It's to direct your will. 
And so when I direct my will, here's what I'm doing. I want to be able to find joy in someone. I want to find something in them that I can be happy about. You know, that helps me so much, especially with being a pastor, because I want to see people succeed. I want to see your life grow. And sometimes you get to see the good, bad, and the ugly. But you know what I do? And God has just helped me with this. I'll counsel a person on Monday. When I see him on Sunday, I don't even think about the stuff that we counseled with. I look for the best in them. I forget about all those things. I don't see people as a problem. I see people as people who can do what God wants them to do. But I have to look. Listen, my church family, that's an act of my will. It's an act of me willing. Do you know that God is not only love, but he actually wills to love you? The Bible said that God demonstrated his love. One translation says this, God commanded his love towards you that while you were yet in sin, Christ died. God commanded his love. You know what that is, my church family? That is an act of the will that God made a decision. I will love. That's what marriage is. We say, I will love you till death do us part. It's like the couple that went to heaven, the married couple, they got to heaven and the guy got there first. The husband got there first and he's walking around and the wife got there. And she's like, honey, we made it. So glad you're here. And he said, remember what we said in our vows. It was till death do us part. (laughs) And you make the decision to love people in your will, even if you don't have the, aw, even if you don't have the, I love those feelings, but you know what? Those feelings aren't always correct. I have to will. And I think this is something that in Christianity, we give a lot of lip service to, oh, I love you, but it gets a little doing of it. And it's easy to talk the love talk, but ladies and gentlemen, it's not easy to walk the love walk. Why, Pastor Phil? Because let's just be honest today. Some people are difficult to love. Nobody in this room today, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying the people that didn't come today. How many of you have had difficult people to love? It's difficult. It's difficult. And John is writing and he says, look, I'm to love in word and in deed. Loving is an act of my will. And I love the feeling, don't get me wrong, but it's an act of my will. But my church family, if the only time we love is when we feel like it, we're in trouble. If we're just waiting for warm fuzzies, God commands his love towards us. That's what makes this love higher. That's what makes this love higher. It's a determined love. I'm gonna love you whether you're lovable or not. That's what makes this love so much higher because it's not just an emotion. It's a decision that we make. And as we close today, Jesus said something. He said, and I know this is probably the scripture in the Bible that we want to tear out. Sometimes I look at it and I just wonder if Jesus had changed it, but I looked at it again this morning and he still hasn't changed this scripture. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter five, verse 43, verse 44. He says, you have heard that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies 
bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Can I just give you a little truth today? Because some of you may be a little surprised. Pastor Phil, I'm a Christian and I have enemies. Yeah. That's why Jesus said you're going to love them because we're going to have them. Anybody have any enemies? And you know what that word means? People that are hostile towards you. And once again, here we see that God's ways are higher than our ways. But let me, let me, let me just give you some context before we close today. Because I think many people get down about this scripture. And they're like, you know, Pastor Phil, I, I really, I can't love my enemies. You know the word love here means to have goodwill towards this word bless here means that I'm supposed to pray for my enemies. This, this, this is actually the context. I'm supposed to pray that God would intervene in your life. So loving our enemies, according to Jesus, is this. I have goodwill towards you. I don't have to sit there and go, oh, God, bless them. They're the head, not the tail. I don't have to do that. All I have to do is towards my enemies is say, you know what? I want goodwill for them. And I can pray that God intervene in their life. Because in reality, that's what they need. They need God to intervene in their life. Listen, I don't have to have warm fuzzies about my enemies. I don't have to have them over on Saturday morning for pancakes. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about in your heart, you have goodwill and you pray, God, intervene in their life. This has helped me so much because I thought I was supposed to love my enemies like I love my son or love my, 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 my wife. No, all I have to do with my enemies is I have to say, God, I want goodwill for them. And you know what? Bless them. I pray you intervene in their life. And some people, it's better for them and it's better for you to love at a distance. We just love at a distance. I check my heart. I want goodwill. I want goodwill. And I pray that God intervene in your life. And here's the last thing that loving like Jesus, and it's just another way that Jesus really loved people. And it was that he showed compassion to people. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because, uh, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Compassion means to be moved as into one's inwards, to have mercy. Listen to this, to alleviate the suffering for someone. And there will be times in your life that you will, love will begin to move in your heart so much it will move you to do something. And I believe those are special times, my church family, that love just begins to move in our heart. And this heart, it says, compassion is a heart which mercy resides. A heart which mercy resides. And you know what? In this day and age, don't let the devil rob you of the compassion that you have. Don't let somebody else's stinginess rob you of loving people. 
you'll find that as God's love moves in you, as you allow God to love you, his love will move in you and you'll begin to lift people up. You'll begin to minister to people. You'll eliminate people's suffering. You know, we had a meeting the other day and uh, it was with George Rubiano. If you don't know him, he's he's an an amazing man. And we had this meeting and George called me and he said, hey, um, I I can't come to the meeting. I I need to cancel. And, uh, And I didn't ask why, but he just went on and he said, um, we were out at Sam's and, and me and my wife and there was a, a, an older gentleman just wandering around and George said, uh, I, I, I talked to him. It seems like he has got some, you know, issues and mental issues. And George said, um, I just want to help him. And George and his wife helped that man, helped him find his family and it turns out he was missing. They took him to his, his uh, place of residence. And I just thought, who does that nowadays? You know who does that? The people of God. And the presence of God was manifested in that guy's life because George showed some love to someone. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the compassion. That is how miracles flow because Jesus was moved with compassion. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 